Well, hello again, everybody. This is John Norris at Trading Perspectives. As always, we have our very good friend, Sam Clement. Sam, say hello. Hey, John. You doing okay? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Big plans for the weekend? Um, not yet, but we'll see. We'll see where things go. <laughs> are you going to be using your college education this weekend? Maybe. Oh, really? What do you I, I don't know. That's why I said I don't know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> I probably will not be using my college or graduate <laughs> education this weekend as I um, maybe do some pressure washing or something along those lines. There you go. I'll probably hit some golf balls one way or another. Well, that sounds pretty fun. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up, and Sam, I think you know because of the topic that we've decided to discuss today, it's um, about the whole scandal that just won't go away in the media, Lori Laughlin. Uh, Felicity Huffman and all the others, these people have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to bribe or otherwise coerce, um, put upon admissions counselors, I guess you'd yeah. say, guidance counselors, uh, to get their children into schools which they would not have gotten into otherwise. This is a whole new phenomenon, isn't it, John? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not an all new phenomenon. But just he, tweaked a little bit. Just tweaked a little bit. And the reason why we want to talk about it today is this week we read an article this article is about, actually about a month old uh, from a writer named Caitlin Flanagan. It was in The Atlantic. The Atlantic is generally a little bit more left-leaning, but I found this to be an absolutely fantastic article. It was good. Uh, because primarily, really, I kind of identified with this individual. Uh, because she started off by saying that she came from a good but not necessarily moneyed family, uh, which implied that she knew the ins and outs and the comings and goings and the and the general standard operating procedures of wealthy people, she was just not wealthy necessarily herself. Right. And I, I identified with that, um, largely, I mean, due to my time in Baltimore, Maryland. When I was working up there, uh, you know, and I went to Wake Forest University, which has maybe increased a little bit in prestige since I went there, certainly. Um, and it's while, much better than it going the other way. <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, and while that's considered a good school down here, and even up there it's considered a good school, it was not one of the Northeast schools, and certainly not one of the Northeast elite-type schools. Um, and there's certainly a North, Northeast bias. When I was working in Baltimore, the first question that people asked you was, where'd you go to school? And laughingly, you know, we have two questions down here in Baltimore, in, in Birmingham, you know, who do you pull for and where do you go to church? Yeah. And by that, they're not talking about Wake Forest or Northwestern or... No, there's two options. Two options, Alabama and Auburn and where you go to church. If you don't go to church, just lie. Say you, <laughs> say you, say you go to a Lutheran First church. First something. <laughs> say you lie or something. Say you go to a Lutheran church because no one down here knows any Lutherans, so, so they can't contest you. You get a your, little nod, <laughs> of, nod of the head. <laughs> but up in Baltimore, they ask you where you go to school. And they, what by that, they mean their, their high school. And there's a, an elite school, Gilman, which is where the truly moneyed people go. And then, and then we can start talking about the ones after that. I remember Loyola, Calvert Hall, um, McDonough, they're, they're, uh, Boys Latin, and a number of other ones. And what you found out in dealing with people that went to Gilman, they generally went uh, on to Northeast schools or the more elite type schools. Sure. And I had, a, I had a fellow, a friend of mine, who had gone to Duke, and he was considered uh, maybe he had gone to a lesser school out of his graduating class. So there certainly was a very much of a northeastern sort of elite school type of um, snobbery, if you will, and uh, people willing to pay 
top dollar for their children to get in there, whether they were legacies or not. And these people tend to move in packs. Uh, you can't really you can't really describe it to people down here because, you know, while there are Harvard graduates, Ivy League graduates down here and what have you in, in Birmingham, it's nowhere near what it would be in New York or it's Boston. It's not that legacy yeah, aspect It's, it's not, not the same thing. Nowhere near the same thing as it would be in our more moneyed um, population centers. So you can't really describe the overall bias uh, that, that there is this and the over, overwhelming draw that people might have to get their children into where they had graduated or where they feel as though they should have graduated. Yeah, and a lot of it isn't even due to the quality of the education. It's I went to Harvard, my Without granddad went to Harvard, and my dad went to Harvard, my son's going to go to Harvard. And the perceived uh, step up in life that they certainly give you. Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not just education. Graduating from Harvard, mm-hmm. having that piece of paper from Harvard or Yale or mm-hmm. where, whatever Northeastern school may be. Yeah. Um, weighs a lot uh, without a doubt so I have been there I have seen that I know I've lived in a community or a community where I grew up where most of the children go on to college and they generally go on to the vast majority of them will go to Alabama or Auburn but I believe 99% of my graduating class went on to a four-year university this year at the same high school it's around 99% um, like I said the vast majority or the majority will go to Alabama or Auburn or another large state school uh, with a few kind of um, intermittent kids going to maybe a few of the Ivy League schools, going out to Stanford, uh, Northwestern. You'll see a whole bunch go to places like Swanee, Rhodes, Furman, yeah. that type of stuff. So, you know, I, I see it in my neighborhood, people willing to shell out big wampum. Big wampum for their kids to get tutors to take the SAT and the ACT and yeah. just the over overwhelming process of all of it, getting your children into college. Um so so much so, just based on my experiences in life, Sam, and I'm a little bit older than you are. Just a few years. <laughs> <laughs> that when this whole s- scandal broke, if you want to call it a scandal, um, and you'll understand why I'm saying that in just about five yeah, seconds. quotations around scandal. Quotations around scandal. When it all broke, my first reaction is, why is this even news? Who is this shocking to you? It, was, mean, it was not shocking to me whatsoever. There was just two things that were even different about it or noteworthy at all. One is just the different way in which these people were paying to get their kids into school. And then the other one is just the celebrity aspect of it. I mean, yeah. this would not have been a story if it was just some rich person doing this for the most part. It's the fact that it involves some celebrities and kind of became this big Hollywood type problem well and largely the um, one of the celebrities obviously being Lori Laughlin uh, from Full House and really sort of uh, lifetime movies and what have you very pretty woman there's just no way around it um, and she seems very likable very down to earth seems like the kind of the quintessential all-american girl next door just a little bit prettier than the all-american <laughs> girl that lives next door so that's what kind of I think took the headline from uh to oh my gosh this is kind of shocking even yeah. america's sweetheart is engaged in this very boorish behavior and truly defaulting people right i mean they're taking away especially it's not just the academic side of it they were using the athletic side of it to take mm-hmm. away uh genuine athletic scholarships yeah. and, and spots on teams for people and you know and uh, and you know the reason why i didn't necessarily think that it was a you know newsworthy or certainly not newsworthy to the degree that it has become is the fact that wealthy people have always been gaming the system in some form or fashion 
And by wealthy, I'm not talking about top 10%. I'm talking about the top 1%. Yeah, they're getting into schools. They're getting into the school by hook or crook. In most instances, you put up a mediocre transcript and some well-placed gifts to the university sure. or what have you, and it seems as though there were kids who get in. I remember it, even being away. There were kids that I knew that had no business being in, uh, being in that school but for the fact that mom and dad seemed to be right. relatively generous donors. I think it's a little bit of both in that they obviously are spending money to help get those grades up, get those test scores up, but then those winks as well as those checks they're giving to, you know, some dorm, whatever it is, have their name put up on something. Well, as Flanagan points out in her article in The Atlantic, and as you you can think about this as well, the little bit of a difference between what we have always seen in the past, generous donors giving to a, I don't know, the school of business, endowing a chair, um, building a dorm, children, the student's center, that, that type of thing, or funding scholarships, or shoot, even buying... Uh, licensing tickets to buy season tickets at uh, yeah. various stadiums or what have you, all of that money actually flowed into the school in some form or fashion. Right. Certainly, you can call it whatever it is. It's a bribe, just a different name. A rose by any other name smells just as sweet, Sam. Here right. I am being sure. very poetic. Sure. And it, it, it is a bribe uh, in some degree uh, that you assume that this will help your child or grandchildren down the road get into university. Maybe not all people give to their schools with that intention, but certainly a number of people do. Yeah. Um, but I would argue that these gifts, while you know, there might have been ulterior motives. Ultimately, it was for the betterment of the university itself. People benefited from it. There was some benefit to other people not just getting their kid into school. Where where this aspect, I mean, it's the swim coach or whatever coach on whatever school's team just pocketing a couple hundred grand for the most part. I mean, I've seen even some professors, some coaches, their house sold for hundreds of thousands above yeah, its market yeah, value yeah. and then their kid got a scholarship and so there this was happening in more ways than one but like you said this wasn't really benefiting anyone except a kid getting into school and the person whose pockets were which, getting which, lined. T- which takes it from sort of a sanitized version of bribery yeah it's just dirtier it's just dirtier there's, you know we, we we can argue about the morality all day long of knowingly giving a substantial sum of money to a school for the sole purpose or the unwritten purpose right. of getting your child into that university. Yeah, you could argue no one's really getting hurt by that. Yeah. As long as, I mean, you know, there's no strict more, cap limit more, of how many students get in. Yeah. If these people are willing to donate a million dollars and have one extra person in that mm-hmm. student body where it's not really taking yeah. away another spot in that yeah. student body. That's... Yeah, you could have I, an yeah, argument for yeah, that. I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, it kind of sucks, but <laughs> kind of sucks for someone out there. But it's kind of good for a lot of folks. Whereas with this particular scandal, they're just cheating. They're, they're cheating. They're, they're no cheating. one else is getting help, and someone is actually quantifiably getting hurt by yeah. that spot on that team. I mean, I know one of them. This girl was playing soccer. She was on the soccer team out in California. Never played soccer before. <laughs> <laughs> it just—it's—it's af- it's absolutely mind-boggling to me. And this, Sam, is because you know I've got one daughter. My daughter's in college already. Right. And we're going through the college application process with my son right now. Now we aren't talking about uber elite type schools, so we're not going to the same level of activity or gymnastics that these other people went through. 
Uh, but even so, I, I, I guess I can. I, I am seeing sort of the hysteria with other parents, and I'm certainly reading about it, where uh, I kind of understand it because I saw it in Little League. You know, I, I've seen it everywhere. And people could tell I me, mean, maybe I need to hold up a mirror because I seem to get pretty exercised about Little League myself. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Little League Baseball brings out the worst in middle-aged men. Um, they're, 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 I've said it without a doubt. But the people, the same people that I would imagine that are doing this, going to Singer, whatever that guy's name is, uh, asking for extra time on the SAT, all of that type of stuff, are the same people that are spending thousands of dollars for batting coaches, uh, thousands of dollars for side coaches, and what have you, to make sure that their children are getting a leg up in some form or fashion, right. uh, whether they deserved it or not. And so, you know, I, I have seen this in so many different ways that, again, it's not all that surprising. It's just when you take it from way that it's always been, good old-fashioned, sanitized, I'm bribing you, and we all know it, but someone's going to benefit, to all of a sudden where you're, you're cheating and you're actually hurting other people yeah, for, it, for no real betterment other than other than to yourself it's it, it just it's more narcissistic yeah, there, which makes it a little bit less powerful there is some ambivalence to this previous way that people were painting and getting their kids in i mean everyone knows it you know it's like oh that this is their last name there's this building on campus now yeah um no one's really getting too upset by that, but, I mean, you've seen a lot more anger towards this than you had in the past. Well, you know, and we certainly have, and for a lot of reasons, because while we all assume that this has been going on, it's another thing to have it be so exposed and out there. Right. The lengths that people will go to or pay in order to have a child that does not deserve to be in a particular freshman class. A lot of times doesn't class. even want to be there. <laughs> I mean, let's think about it. I mean, what could your church do with the $500,000 that Lori Laughlin and her husband were shelling out to try to get their child who had no business being in the freshman class yeah. at USC? What could, they, what could it do with $500,000? Yeah. I mean, what could the food pantry or, or, you know, the adult literacy center or what have you? And that's, what, that's what's unseemly to so many people. But what do you think, Sam, and this is kind of maybe the next question, I, I really think, why, why have we come to this? How have we come to this where all of a sudden the elites have gone from simply funding a chair or a scholarship or something along those lines, a good old-fashioned kind of white shoe type of bribery? How is it we've gone from that to all of a sudden now this no other way of putting it cheating what what are your thoughts i mean that that's a pretty heavy question i feel like yeah. i mean i mean we've just seen so much change in society recently i mean so much i mean people have to get their kids into these schools people have to have their legacy go on through their kids in these next generations um i mean it's understandable seeing kids parents disappointed that their kids aren't getting in the same yeah. school but i feel like this level that we've taken it to now um that disappointment goes to i can't have this disappointment they have to get into this school um you know so. i mean i mean for me it's like you kind of wonder i wonder if this is going on because the rules are changing a little bit more rapidly than perhaps the elites really truly want yeah 
Um, I think they're being fair. squeezed out a little bit more. They know the competition's a lot more fierce than what it used to be. It's not going to be as easy as just putting a $5,000 check to uh, partially fund a scholarship. It's going to require much greater effort to get their child who has no business being in the freshman class in the freshman. So class. kind of saying that they feel like their backs are against the wall a little bit? Without, Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the best way of putting it. Their backs are against the wall. They want to ensure that their their child who performs in a mediocre or average or less than elite or optimal level gets in that the elite or optimal level because that is the only way that they can envision in their heads that you can advance moving forward or yeah. at least associate with the right people. Yeah. And so, you know, Flanagan back in her article in, in the in the Atlantic, you know, I, she had a very good quote. And if, do you mind if I read it? Let's hear it. All right, and so here it is. I'm, this, these are Flanagan's words. Caitlin Flanagan, The Atlantic, April 4th. Anyone can understand a parent's disappointment if he had thought for 17 years that his child would go to Yale one day, only to learn that it's not in the cards. But what accounted for the intensity of emotion these parents expressed, their sense of a profound loss of rage at being robbed of what they believed was rightfully theirs? They were experiencing the same response to a changing America that ultimately bought Donald Trump to office white displacement and a revised social contract. The collapse of manufacturing jobs has been to poor whites, what the elite college admissions crunch has been to wealthy ones. A smaller and smaller slice of the pie for people who are used to having the fattest piece of all. Man, I mean, planning is <laughs> kind of dropping the mic after that one. <laughs> Was that, the, was that the last quote in the article? It wasn't, but it was a one of the, close to the end of it. Yeah, wrapping it up. Wrapping it up. And when I read that, I was like, wow. I mean, that really kind of that cuts through a lot of the, the garbage and kind of gets down to it. It's when people are doing this type of stuff, it's, it, it's a sense of desperation. Yeah. I mean, we, we can call it whatever we want. We can call it white privilege. We can call it elite privilege. We can call it whatever we want. Recent story of, of Chinese family, very wealthy, paying $6.5 million to get into Stanford. So while she's focusing on white privilege, I'm, I'm going to call it almost elite privilege. Yeah, I would um, say it's more based on monetary yeah. amount. And again, it just so happens that whites control most of the wealth in the country. But even so, it's not just the property right. of white people. Um you know, and to that end, in 2017, for the first time in the college's history, the university's history, Harvard's freshman class was not majority white. I didn't know that. And they made much, much hullabaloo about it. Obviously, a lot of Asian students, but it was the first time in the nation's history, from what I read, I read this somewhere, that Harvard's freshman class was not majority white. Um, so you can imagine the shivers that that sends down the spines of all the Northeastern elite people that for them, the only way to success is through gaming the elite college admissions process. Yeah. So I'd say this is probably kind of a good thing, this scandal coming out, coming more into the light. You know, it's, um, it's good and bad. Um, I would say it's mostly good though. It's bad in the fact that you do learn that this stuff is going on, and it kind of kind of makes you a little bit sour. Yeah. And so that's what that's the bad. It's hard not to be a little little sour towards <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard not to be. So that I mean, we're kind of running out of time here today. Actually, I think we've run out of time. Um, but we didn't really trade any perspectives. But it's a topic that I wanted to bring up and maybe flesh out a little bit. I'm not sure if we have a bunch of differing opinions, other than the fact that, you know, I think we're seeing this because. 
it's always kind of gone on, but not to the histrionics that we have now. It's desperation. It's more of a desperation because, as Flanagan said, and I'm going to repeat it one more time, the collapse of manufacturing jobs has been to poor whites what the elite college admissions crunch has been to wealthy ones, a smaller and smaller slice of pie for people who are used to having the fattest piece of all. I think that's incredibly insightful. Yeah. Incredibly it's a insightful. a good way to look at it. And who knows? Maybe there'll be a change in missing process, and maybe we'll get to a point where the where the playing field is flatter and more even for all. Be hard to argue that's not a good thing. Well, that's kind of what this country was founded upon. Yep. So with that, we're not trading perspectives today, but as always, thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear from, from you all. So if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. You can always send us an email to tradingperspectives at oakworthcapital.com, or you can leave us a review on the podcast outlet of your choice. If you're interested in hearing more or reading more of what we have to say or think, you can check out our blog, Common Sense, underneath the Thought Leadership tab at oakworthcapital.com. Sam, you have anything else? That's all I got. That's all I've got today. Y'all take care.